Hi, this is George Denholm. And this is Dustin Weber. Welcome to the 5 by 2 podcast, where each week we discuss Christian discipleship. We hope that you'll find this podcast interesting and informative, but also challenging as you strive to grow in your discipleship to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. This week, we continue the series on Lent, and we will be talking with Pastor Adam again as we discuss the Lenten sermon series. And as just a reminder, we mentioned this in the last episode, but during the Lenten season, each day we'll be having devotionals that you can have sent to your phone via text. And if you want to receive those, you can text the keyword Lent to 812-775-2300. So again, 812-775-2300. And again, just text the keyword Lent to that. And then each morning you will receive the devotion that you can read. But also this time around, we're going to have it where you can listen to it as well. And so a link will be in there where you can click on that. And if you'd rather listen to it or if you want to listen to it as you read it. But yeah, so pretty cool. Yeah. Besides that, too, if you go to the website in our 5x2 podcast tab on the website, you can also go down and click on the individual devotion you would like to listen to. So you don't have to get it to your phone. You can go to our website. It'll also be listed there. We'll have each of our new 5x2 episodes pop to the top of that. But if you scroll down, you can get all 46 or 47 devotions that will be on there. And they'll be labeled by probably the day, day one, day two, three. And the other thing, for those of you that are really old school, we do have a paper copy that will be available in the church lobby. Do you have to be old school to use it? The paper copy? Yeah. No, that you follow the old school ways. Uh, I just feel like I like to hold things when I read. Like reading, like on my phone, I'm not very good at it. But like if I get like a book in front of me, like, all right, here we go. Just, I don't know, personally. Well, and it's everyone's personality, too, because I'll get the paper copy and I'll stick it in front of my Bible and I'll Uh, do that as part of my regular Bible uh, reading. But there again, I don't do my Bible reading on my phone. I do do, like if I'm in a Bible study, I'll pull that phone out, sometimes during the sermon, to just to check on you guys and make sure you're... (laughs) You're, you're actually <laughs> teaching good. what the Bible hey, says. Hey, man, you, you make sure that you look up everything that we say. And again, one other point. We, we mentioned this last episode. Each of these devotions are written by the people here at St. Peter's. And so the adult discipleship team, you know, we, we edited those and proofread and everything. But they're written by the people of St. Peter's, which I think is just an awesome thing. Yeah, it was a great thing, again, for us as, as staff members, just to see, I think you mentioned in the last episode, Pastor, that it's just exciting to see how many people are passionate about Jesus and just sharing their different perspective on that, on the text of God's Word. But let's uh, let's go on, let's get on to our topic, because we can get easily distracted. So as we're talking about this concept of Lent and all the things that go with it, these devotions that we're having, we're also talking about what would happen in the Lenten worship services and the sermon series that we're doing for that. So you just want to remind us of that sermon series, and then we'll jump into a few things, maybe some specific things that we can just dig into for this week as we're preparing for Jesus coming again at Easter. Yeah, so we are walking through the book of Exodus during the season of Lent, and kind of the official title is, you know, Exodus, this is my story, this is my song. The point being is that as you read through the book of Exodus, the story of the Old Testament is still our story as followers of Jesus, that the deliverance of God's people out of Egypt through the Red Sea, that event was kind of the prototype event for our salvation, right? The fact that Christ saves us, takes us out of our chains of slavery, and he does that by us just being still, right? That famous verse there in the book of Exodus, while God's people are kind of trapped between the Red Sea and the Pharaoh's army is coming on, and God says, just be still. I'm going to do everything for you. And that's what Christ does for us. He does everything for us. So we are starting it three chapters into it, which might be a little odd. You might think to yourself, well, you know, if we're going to start in the book of Exodus, we should start with chapter one. 
which is kind of funny because we'll get to chapter one on week two. But we're starting in Exodus chapter three on Ash Wednesday. We're going to focus on verses seven through 12. So I just want to read those so that we all know kind of what scripture is saying here. So here's what it says, uh, Exodus chapter three, verses seven through 12. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land that is good and spacious, the land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said these famous words, I will be with you. And he goes on to say, this will be a sign to you uh, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And what we're really looking to do in the first sermon is zero in on the fact that God hears our cries. Because in the whole, like, first half of the book of Exodus, like, that's the problem, right? The problem is that God's people have been in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. And I can imagine, I'm assuming you guys too, just how at times hopeless that might have been, right? Crying out to God and not feeling like God has acted. But to the credit of the Israelites, they continued crying out, right? The Israelites cried out. They taught their children how to cry out. They taught their children's children how to cry out. And then finally, in Exodus chapter 3, we hear that God has heard their cries. And not God just hasn't heard it, that he acts upon it. And really, in the grand scheme of Ash Wednesday, which is when this is going to be, like, that's Ash Wednesday for us, right? We, for Ash Wednesday, we cry out to God, cry out that there is still sin in this world, cry out that there is still pain in this world, cry out that there is still death in this world. And our cries at times may seem like they go on deaf ears, but here in the book of Exodus, we are reminded that God hears it, God listens to it, God knows it, but most importantly, God acts on it. So how does that fit in with the whole ash thing, but putting ashes on her forehead, you know, is that a cry out to God or is that, where does that even come from? Yeah. So the practice of putting ashes on for Ash Wednesday is fascinating, especially if you look at it through scripture. In the Old Testament, God's people used ashes or, or as scripture says, ashes and sackcloth as kind of a public display of their mourning, their public display of their laments, right? That they are crying to God, that God, something isn't right here. Like I'm experiencing something that goes contrary to your character, to who you are. And as they cry out, they cover themselves with sackcloth and ashes. Now, the church throughout the years, throughout the generations, throughout the centuries, throughout the millennium, has picked up on that practice. And we use it also, again, as a cry of sorts, but we kind of use it a little differently because it's not only a cry, it's, it's a remembrance for us. We remember that sin is still in this world, but we put it in the sign of a cross because we remember that Christ has accomplished our salvation for us and has given us all the inheritance of the kingdom. All of the riches of heaven are yours through the person of Jesus Christ. But we remember that sin and death is still in this world and it's still reigning. And we're crying out to God that God, you know, at some point in time, come and stop it. 
It's interesting. One of the earliest books of the Bible that was written was Job. Yeah. And, you know, Job is one of those classic examples. Somebody who was experiencing a complete reversal of fortune. His family had been lost. He had lost his wealth. He's covered with sores. He's sitting on the ash heap, pouring ash on his head and crying out to God. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that kind of gets that cry out loud and crying out loud. I guess that's what my dad always said. <laughs> but he's crying out to the Lord. He's complaining. And as you read Job, it can be so depressing because it's his lament. He's just saying, God, what? How, why are you doing this? And then his friends are like, all, you know, you don't understand. You're messing up. But in the midst of all that crying out, all that lament, all that stuff that seems to be so boring, there is just a huge nugget of the gospel, right? That And we use that nugget of the gospel in so many funeral services and so many places. I know that my Redeemer lives, and I will stand before him in my own flesh. With my own eyes, I will see him. And so that kind of ties to our death and resurrection thing yeah. that we're going to be talking about in another series. So it's just great to have those things from the Bible that are reminders, the ashes that remind us that though we are dust we'll, and we die, yet because it's a cross, we will rise again. Yeah. Talk about cries, like crying out to God. Can you guys think of a time that you guys cried out to God that, you know, that something was going on that was contrary to God's character and who he's promised to be? And you said, you know what, God, like, this is not, this is not right. I don't know. I'm not trying to get, like, personal, but if you got one, I got one. This is the one that was coming to my mind. It was actually during the call process here. So moving from Wisconsin to Indiana, as I was thinking about it and considering it and praying about it, it was really overwhelming. Overwhelming thinking about not just the move, but the enormity of the call and grasping with that. And what I found is that usually when I get overwhelmed is usually when I start crying out to God. When I've maxed myself out, then I cry out to God. Maybe that's not the way that it should be. Maybe I should cry out to God at all times. But that's kind of where I found it. I was maxed out. Like I was like, I not, not only do I not know what to do, not only am I anxious beyond belief, all of these different things happening at the same time. And I remember driving home. I drove next to this river it was the Wisconsin River, drove next to it on the drive home. It was beautiful. It was pretty. But I just remember not screaming like by myself, but like, God, like, what do you want me to do? And through time and through process, God gave an answer. Now I'm here, but at least that's the one that came to my mind. Go ahead, Dustin. I think for me, kind of personal, but thing that comes to my mind is I'm kind of in that, I feel like that cry for help right now of just that it's been about four or five years of dealing with some health issues and dealing with some fatigue and brain fog and just not feeling right. And so it's been crying to God for help of like, all right, what should I do? Going to numerous doctor's appointments and going from one type of doctor to the next and just never really getting to an answer. So yeah, just kind of that crying out right now of, all right, God, what next step do I need to do to get better, to feel closer to 100%? not near 100% right now. And so just trying to continue to trust that he's in control. Yeah. And just thinking about all the times, remembering God's promises and remembering the times that he's used those difficult situations in my life for good. And just, uh, yeah, just trying to trust him throughout that. And I guess I don't want to sound holier than now. I've been very blessed. Like 
I don't know that there's ever been a time that I've cried out for myself because I think that like God has just blessed me with great things. But like, as I was thinking about this, I've so many times lately, especially cried out for other people. Mm. Um, I just think about some of the friends that I've had that have experienced the death of a loved one, you know, a husband, a father, a, a grandfather, and you just see their pain and you just go, God, why did you take this person when their family needs them so much? But a bigger one for me is just, I've had a lot of friends lately share that they're having trouble having children. Mm-hmm. And that is an issue. I can't even understand that, you know. I don't tell people I understand what you're feeling. I just kind of say, you know, share with me how you're feeling Mm -hmm. because it's just such a deep pain. And you kind of look at it and you go, God, these are perfect people to raise children. Why are you not giving them children? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and again, God is God and he's maybe got a different idea for their lives. But it just seems like, oh, God, why? Why? When there's so many kids that are born of parents that don't love them, here would be parents that would love them so much. And it just seems to me, God, you've got to have a better plan than this. Reminds me of a time in um, Wisconsin where I was actually prepping for a funeral and it was about an hour and a half till the funeral started. The visitation was going on and our administrative assistant grabs me and kind of takes me out of the church and into her office and said, we just got a call that this sophomore in high school had just died. He was on his way to school and something happened on the road and he ended up hitting a tree. And they said that the police just called and they asked for you to go over to be with the family who was at their place. And I remember just crying. Like I am an emotional person. I'm not somebody not to cry, but just crying and driving in tears to where they were and walking into that room and just having a mom and a dad just absolutely unconsolable and rightly so. And I remember, like, that next week, again, crying out, like, God, like, what the heck are you doing? But it is in those cries, those cries of pain for health, for wondering what's next in your life, for death, for other ones, where Exodus chapter 3 is just phenomenal. Because here's what it says. Again, verse 7, this is God using so many eyes to make it so clear that it is him that does this, right? So he says, I have indeed, I've seen the misery of my people. I have heard them crying out. I am concerned about their suffering. And then verse eight, so I have come down. And that is the promise, the hope, and the gospel that we have, that God sees our misery, that God hears our cries, that he's concerned about it, but that he comes down. He comes down to us, to rescue us out of our cries and ultimately into the forever promised land that's flowing with milk and honey. Yeah, in that thing, as you were talking about it, I just think about Jesus. Of course, ultimately, that's what God sends down our Christ for deliverance. Yeah. He sent us Jesus. But even in his life, Jesus just exhibited that, I see, I feel, I'm here with mm-hmm. you. You know, to see Mary and Martha after Lazarus died and there he cries. You know, we have a lesson, I think, that's going with the sermons this week from Matthew, where Jesus is looking at the crowds, and because they were harassed and helpless, he has compassion on them. Mm-hmm. That He just looks at them and says, man, I'm hurting for them. When we cry out, God understands that. You know, he wants to hear our pain. He wants to comfort us. 
I mean, that's the phenomenal thing about the incarnation, right? That, you know, the book of Hebrews says that, you know, we have a mediator that can empathize with us. You know, it's not that Jesus or God, like, is above all the suffering. He's not below all the suffering. He's in all this suffering. And that's exactly what happened with the birth of Christ, right? He comes down and he lives our lives for us. And I love Moses's kind of response to all of this. God says, you know, I've seen your suffering. I've heard your suffering. I'm concerned about your suffering. And I've come down to do something about it. And Moses says, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And at first, you know, I read that. And I was like, man, that's a really good question, right? Like, who am I in the midst of all of this? But as you re- read through it, um, at the end, God ends up getting a little ticked off with Moses for all, for all those questions. But to the response to that question, God says, no, 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 Moses, that's the wrong question. It's not who am I? The right question is, who are you? Who are you, God? Because in God, Second Corinthians says, all of God's promises are yes in Jesus. That's it right there. And maybe that's where I can come back to that whole thing about a personal thing. You know, whenever I get up to speak, my cry in a silent prayer, it's not like a cry of pain, but it's like, Lord, let it be your words, not mine. I'm just a flawed vessel, you know, mm-hmm. like when I'm called upon to sit with a family that's suffering. Don't let me say anything stupid. God. Yeah. <laughs> Preach that. Right. You know, and again, that was Moses' first thought. Like, I can't do it. God, all right, you say it for me. Mm-hmm. And if you read through the rest of, you know, Exodus chapter three, God has a response to each and every one of Moses' questions. What is God saying? You know, Moses, you might not think that you're enough, but because of me, you are. You know, God shaped Moses to be a leader, and he shaped him, interestingly enough, in the wilderness, right? Where for 40 years, Moses is sitting there looking at sheep, counting sheep. Moses, for 40 years, is tending sheep, and like he's just counting one sheep after the other after the other. But it's in the wilderness where God forms us, you know, and how true is that amongst us here that change is a process, right? It's not like just snap your fingers. Like, you know, we might be able to change channels rather quickly or apps rather quickly, but the process of change is not quick at all. But it's usually in the wilderness, metaphorically speaking, where God does some of his best work. Yeah. I, I remember one of the devotions, as long as we were talking about Lent devotions, I think one of the authors brought up God had to use 40 years in the wilderness to teach Moses that he was nobody so that then he could take the next 40 years to say what God could do with a nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know who that came from? A high schooler. That was so cool. That's awesome. Um, you know, that we have such wonderful, wonderful people here writing right. Devos. Again, if we can put, a, put in a pitch, those Devos are great to bring a new insight. One of the things, and we can go down all kinds of paths with this text, but, you know, when he lists off the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, yeah. the Amorites, the Perizzites, right? Yep. Not parasites, parasites, <laughs> parasites. The Hivites and the, and the Jebusites. There it is. All those tribes were continually warring with the Israelites. Yeah. Um, because they didn't follow God's <laughs> commands for them, as he said, go in and take over the place. So there's a ton that you could go into and, and dig deeper in here. For right now, we're going to leave that aside. What is it that you want folks to really take out of this first week as we're looking at this exodus with this sermon? Is it John that's up for yeah, the first one? Pastor John's up. The main idea is really that idea of crying and feeling unheard by God. Because I think that we might not want to talk about it. I mean, even like here, right? We're like, we're like making eye contact. Like, are you going to say something? Like, are you going to, are you going to go deep? Am I going deep? Like, uh, we may not want to, but the fact is, is that we all experience it. We all experience what seems to be the divine silence. 
But through Moses and through the Exodus, we see that that's not true. But so much more important than that is that through Jesus, we see that that's not true. Again, from the book of Matthew, that he looked at the crowds and had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And God comes to us in Jesus to be our shepherd, to tend us, to care for us, to guide us. And in Christ, your cries, no matter what they are, if they're shallow cries, deep cries, that he hears them, that he sees them, he hears them, he's concerned about them, and then he acts on them. So we can get all picky about grammar like we've been doing with uh, as we've been proofreading. It's not the divine silence, it's the silence of the divine, right? It seems like the silence of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet there, there are times, you know, like we cry out. There are some times when we need to stop crying and listen, right? Mm-hmm. Be still and know that I am God. Mm-hmm. There's sometimes God says, all right, hang on a minute. I've heard your cries. Now, trust me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you get to that idea of lament, right? That at some point in time you do lament. It's, you know, it's reminding God of who he is and the promise that he's given to you and telling him that again, you know, something is not right here. Um, but you're right. At, at some times God says enough. So where in your life does he do that? You got to figure that one out. Going back to Job. God never really answers Job's question. He does talk to Job, but he doesn't really answer his question. There again, some of us to read this, like God never really answers a question, but there's always going to be those things that we're going to question God on. And yet we see that ultimately through it all, he provided us that rescue, that shepherd through Jesus Christ. Yeah, Paul says, you know, when he's talking about the tribulations of the Corinthians, he says, God hasn't given you a way out. That's not what Paul says. Paul says, I've given you the way out. And that is in reference to Christ, right? That in, through your trials or tribulations, um, Christ is the one that we cling to, that we hold on to, that we cry out to, um, because we know that through him, eventually, eventually, everything's going to be okay. Now, that eventually is sometimes hard to keep in mind as the cries are coming out, but that's the promise that we cling to, that Jesus is going to come back. He's going to raise people from the dead. You're going to go to be with Christ. You're going to go to be with all the family of believers, and it's going to be a wonderful thing. Well, we're running out of time, so uh, just to remind folks to keep tuning in to us. Our next episode, we'll go deeper into our Lenten theme. Dustin, do you want to remind us again of that number and, and what to do to get the devotion yeah. sent to your phone? Yeah, you can text the keyword Lent to 812-775-2300. And again, you'll be able to read that, or we'll also have the audio version there as well. George mentioned earlier, we'll have printed copies also. It gives a great opportunity as the body of St. Peter is just to be able to read through those devotionals together on a daily basis. So join us next time as we continue to talk about crying out to the Lord, listening for his answer, and how we can prepare for him Let Now, go out and serve God and others.